no one will be admitted after the guests check in. Hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on my urethra, the only thing that's real. The sounding device tears a hole, the old familiar sting. I try to piss, but I cannot. And I bleed out of my penis opening. But you could have it all. My whole sounding kit. So many metal rods have turned to poop. They've turned to shit. (laughs) Welcome to Motel. I am Ben the And I'm... Take the fatty. <laughs> well, you turned your dick into fatty after Yo, that. Yo, for real. So you guys clamor for it, and we get horny for it. Are you ready for our deep-throbbing knowledge penises to shoot some information into your gaping hole? You better be. Because we're doing another sexual fetish episode. And uh, I, I'm, I can't stop looking at DeviantArt. And I wish I could stop looking at Reddit, but here we are. <laughs> oh no, what did you find on Reddit? Do I even want to know? It's the sounding subreddit, partner. And that's where we're going to be starting. Oh no. So, first of all, we're still in the middle of pandemic and have a very janky setup. So Ben's voice will be less clear, mine will be decent, and there's a little bit of background noise because the power supply on my computer is making a horrible sound, and I've got that going for me. So, you know, please excuse the slightly less than amazing sound quality, which is generally subpar to begin with, uh, <laughs> and hopefully you can, you can maintain your erection in spite of these shortcomings. Do you guys get nostalgic for when we used to record on the dictaphone? I bet well, you this don't. One's for you. Yeah, this is this is much better than that still. But uh, so we, I don't know why, but in our thirst for knowledge, we thirst. Well, okay, let me say this: when we started this podcast, one of the first topics I ever wanted to cover was gaping, and urethral we sounding. Yeah, urethral sounding is a lot like gaping but also different, but has a lot of the same principles. And I feel like I'm finally coming home doing this episode and dealing with this topic. And urethral sounding came to me immediately when we decided to do another sexual fetishes, because for those who remember the internet that are like about our age, will remember certain videos and images that put all other alleged cursed images to shame. The kinds of things that will never leave your brain, and when you die, you'll be like, 
sort of scrawling them in a notepad for like your grand grandkids like you know just like look this up and uh so that it can live on the trauma can remain and i'm talking especially about lemon party which is not that bad or blue waffle which is um is pretty bad tub girl who's almost romantic at this point in my mind and then there's kids in the sandbox which i got a little bit later and uh, I just can't forget about. And if you have seen Kids in the Sandbox, then you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, then you should go look at that before you listen to the rest of this. Because if you can't handle that, then you can't handle what I'm about <laughs> to give you. So when, when you mentioned it, when you mentioned Kids in the Sandbox before we started recording, it just all came rushing back in a horrible torrent of pain and suffering yeah so the next thing i want to say is what we say at the beginning of every episode which is we're pretty much okay with everything except for pedophilia so we're not okay with that we take a hard no on that but uh you know otherwise people should be into what they're into and as long as you don't hurt anyone right you know it should be consensual and i mean even voyeurism is kind of well there's there's some gray lines there but anyways I don't want to shame anybody for being in urethral sounding. And after doing my research, getting past the initial shutter factor, I was able to understand and have a lot more, have a lot less of a sort of gag reflex basically to this fetish because now I kind of get it. And yeah, the other place, and I'll just give a quick, very personal anecdote, which is I don't know. I think most boys do weird shit with their dicks when they're kids. Cause you're like, what is this supposed to be for? And I can specifically remember having some kind of wind up toy and it had like uh, the metal winder that stuck out of the side of it that had this like plastic nib that you would hold to then like wind it. And I pulled the nib off and then I decided to stick the metal rod into my penis. And then I was like, Oh, that's not good. And, uh, I have tried urethral sounding. Now, granted, that was smaller than the size of my urethra, so it didn't do any gauging or anything like that. But that is my only first-hand experience with the fetish. Who knows? Maybe it won't be my last after this research. But um, mine was a plastic cone. Yeah, there you go. So, if if any boy tells you he has never stuck something in his urethra, he's lying. To he you. is a liar. So. <laughs> Yeah, so that that being said, urethral sounding is the practice of inserting foreign objects into your urethra for medical or sexual purposes. And for the purpose of this episode, we're talking about it in the sexual sense. But for some some amount of people, they come to it through the medical experience first and then develop a paraphilia for the sensation or the object itself later and that kind of blossoms into um you know a bigger uh practice of the fetish and so there is a subreddit called sounding which you can check out if you want to see it it's i will give you a (laughs) warning in the sense of it is like intense sounding pictures right from the get and when i went there during work I was like, oh, (laughs) fuck. And at least I'm the IT guy for my office, so I know that I won't... No one else will know that I went there, but I know that I went there. And it really kind of fucked me up for a second because I just wasn't ready for that level 
it's it's in my opinion sort of the realm of extreme body modification which again is a totally valid thing to do and people can modify their body in any way they want i think that at least for me and i think it translates to other people when you see extreme body modification it makes you think that it's painful and therefore you're like ow no no thanks and you just close the book on it and that's definitely how sounding started for me because when I saw Kids in the Sandbox, I didn't have any kind of um, basis to understand or foundation to know what I was seeing. It just looked like some guy was having a dildo shoved in his penis hole, and that was upsetting. I mean, that is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but I didn't know that that was a fun and consensual act. It just looked like I was witnessing some kind of hitherto unknown serial killer torture footage, and uh, it's not that. So, that's the happy well, news. I did watch a documentary on um, extreme body modification a long time ago, and one of the gentlemen in it actually split his urethra all the way down to, like, the base of his balls. Yeah, to where the bladder so, is, essentially? W well, it was, yeah. Intentional or was, not? What? Was it intentional or not? Oh, yeah, no, he did it. He's... he's He's a body modifier. Like uh, he, he does piercings and tattoos and stuff. Yeah. And he actually showed it on camera, so it's like brutal. Where your actually urethra is on the bottom, it's split in half. Yeah. And like hole on top. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So you have to do for a Prince Albert a certain amount of urethral sounding, typically to get the piercing in. And for some people, there is, it goes from there. So there's a there. Are, there's a lot of different aspects. There's not that many, but there's a fair amount. And this, I think my section will be relatively short because really once you get past what you're looking at, it's like, oh, this is just, here's a couple things that it is. So, so for some people like that have to be catheterized, there is a whole section of it where it's catheter play and sounding in that sense. And it can have like a BDSM type of, functionality or um it overlaps with that where one person has control over another person's bladder and both the sensation of being catheterized and then the restriction and not a restriction on their bladder can be sexually stimulating and uh it can start that way or just be that way and then for the more typical sounding Essentially, what you use are surgical steel rods or silicon-based products, which are measured supposedly precisely, although a lot of people recommend getting a device that will measure the diameter of the rods exactly so that if you're trying to gauge, you can know for sure the size of your rods and then when they get bigger and, and so that you can safely and properly gauge. But... You insert rods of various sizes for various purposes and with various shapes into your, like the tip of your penis, which is your urethra, and you, well, the urethra is the tube that goes to your bladder, and then you, over time, can enlarge it, and there is pleasure in the insertion and the having it in there, and lots of people are able to climax and ejaculate with the sounding device within like fully inserted and so Whoa. that is typically the end goal 
is to be able to have a sounding device inserted in your urethra, sometimes, but not always, all the way up to the base of your bladder, and to then be able to reach climax with it in and then take it out and have minimal irritation and typically no damage to the urethra. So, uh, did you see any videos of anyone firing it off like a Nerf dart? I didn't. I mostly read stories of first-time sounders or early on in the sounding uh, community experience, whatever, talking about different issues they were having. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, uh, I've had a catheter recently, and I can tell you, uh, didn't mind it. Uh, didn't have to get up to pee. That was pretty great. Yeah. How was it when they took it out? Or were you just so doped up it didn't matter? I mean, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't the worst. Like, out of all the things they pulled out of me, it was probably (laughs) the least worst. Yeah. Uh, The NG tube was by far the worst. But that's a tube that goes through your nasal cavity, down through your throat, into your stomach, so... Yeah, that sounds fucking horrible. Yeah. The... the When they took out the catheter, I was like, oh, that's it? They're like, yeah. I was like, okay. So there's something to note, too, that we've primarily talked about sounding in the the male capacity, but there's also women who engage in it. There's not any real statistics as to the amount of men versus women, but there are, and I think we've talked about this because it was ringing a bell for me in a very early episode in regard to women who have... Uh, vaginal openings that are either not there or extremely tight or have other issues with them and they have wound up having had urethral sex, urethral intercourse knowingly or unknowingly for very long periods of time and through time have uh, gotten accustomed to it and enjoyed it and there are women who purposely sound their urethra for the same reasons that men do but the size and shape of the female urethra is significantly smaller and different and so there are it's there's a greater risk of utis because of the closeness and proximity to the bladder and there are other you know there's just different things to kind of look out for in the process so the big thing is that when you are sounding you want to use lube so that you can minimize any irritation in the urethra because if you irritate it and specifically if you use unclean toys on top of it or silicone based lube instead of water lube you can leave in either lasting irritants or leave in bacteria which can cause urinary tract infections which if untreated uh, can lead to severe problems with your kidneys and bladder and stuff like that and are no laughing matter. So a lot your penis. Yeah, so a lot of the posts I saw from early on sounders was that they had experienced some discomfort urinating immediately after sounding and the discomfort had lasted for some period of time and should they go to the doctor. And what the sort of common responses were were don't go to an ER go to your doctor your doctors are going to be hypothetically more protective of your personal information although I don't know that that's true but 
in the sense of I would imagine an ER is going to be just as protective as your general doctor, but that if you explain what you're doing, it is, it's unusual, but it's not shameful, and they can let you know if you need to, you know, receive some kind of medical treatment. I think that there was, a, it seemed like from a lot of male posters, a sort of more gung-ho attitude of don't worry about it, you'll be fine, and there's a fair amount of people saying play safe too, like err on the side of caution. But I think that based on sort of my looks in other areas, when we talk about like the, cause one of the other things I thought about covering was replacing your testicles with other foreign objects and stuff like that, which I know I've talked on the podcast before. There's a, there's a fair amount of people in those sort of more extreme body modification areas where like, they're like, Oh, you know, it's this, that, or the other, just do this, or don't worry about that. And that can lead to dangerous complications from otherwise fun play and people should be mindful of that and not do that. You know, as a lawyer, I always say, if you're coming to me for a medical problem, don't go to a doctor. And if you have an accounting issue, talk to an accountant. You know what I mean? Just because I stick stuff in my penis doesn't mean that I'm an expert on that. I'm not a doctor of the dick. So maybe (laughs) go see one. Uh, so the, the other thing that I thought was interesting was the specific types of sounds, which I'm going to go through a little bit real quick. So the, the typical and kind of like basic level sounds are Hagar sounds, which have two rounded ends are fairly short, mildly curved in shape and big thing of the name. Yeah. They're the least expensive and you can typically get a set of them for, as much or as little rather as like 40, 50 bucks. The big thing with all of these equipment again, is that when you're airing on the side of cheap, which I don't know why you would, if you're inserting it into your body, you're going to have hypothetically less than surgical grade steel, or you're going to have things that aren't the exact size they say they are, which when you're talking about millimeters of difference is important. And the other thing is that you don't ever want to use a sound that you can't fully retrieve. So while a longer sound might look imposing, the problem is is that if during play you insert a sound too far and then can't retrieve it, you've got a, yourself a serious problem. And for most sounders who enjoy the sexual stimulation from the sounding, their erection will you know increase the size of their penis hypothetically, and therefore you don't want to get an, a boner basically and then have your sound get stuck inside and have to wait for yourself to go flaccid. Uh, so that's something to think about. But so the Hagar's um, are also typically the most safe and comfortable for the female anatomy. There are are they are they named after Sammy Hagar? Uh, I don't believe so because I think Sammy Hagar's last name has two G's and this only has one. Mm, perfect crime. So there are Hank sounds, which have a more pronounced curve at the ends, as well as a middle rib on each end. Pratt sounds, which are the other big one I saw pretty frequently, which are longer urethral dilators. Double-ended ones are usually almost a foot long, with rounded and slightly bent ends. Oh, man, a foot long. Yeah, so, but think about it. Like, you know, if my penis is is fairly long and I would, I would want to have a little wiggle room as it were, uh, at the end of my sound, if I'm getting all the way, cause you figure you're going past the base of your, your penis or pretty close to that. So when it's all the way in there, 
There's also Van Buren sounds, which are other fancier ones, which have a very pronounced curve at each end, specifically for the purpose of reaching the bladder. I'll post pictures of these so you can see. There's a good picture of a Pratt sound next to a Coca-Cola can, and it is significantly longer. And then there are diddle sounds, which are long, straight sounds that have a flat end and a rounded end. So the other thing that, and I failed to mention this sooner, part of the thing with sounding is that, while people can experience it because they got a catheter at the hospital, they can also experience it if they have strictures, which are these tight points in the urethra, which sometimes need to be medically worked out, and they use sounds to do it. So the process can be entirely medical, and it has a long history as far as people using it for that purpose. Hank Hill has uh, a narrow urethra and could have benefited from sounding. Wait, wasn't one of them named a Hank? No, a Hank, Hank, H-E-N-K. Oh, Hank, damn. I was gonna say, that's hilarious. Yeah. But all right. So there are a variety of other sounds that are incorporated into body modification jewelry, which I started to talk about. One is called the Pound Puppy. Mm. Give me one second. Love it. The Pound Puppy is... So it it's named for that because it looks like a... A Pound Puppy. Yeah. So it's like... How can I put it? It, it kind of looks like a metal whistle, but then it's got barbells coming out of the side of it and a barbell at one end, and then these two metal things that come down kind of like legs. And I'm looking at the pictures of people's penises that have them in and so you have to have let me just read it this is from the bme encyclopedia a pound puppy is a short prince's wand that requires an ample lang piercing and two off-center pa piercings resulting in a piece of custom jewelry that looks somewhat like a little pound puppy plush toy while it seems to be a piercing that people ask about constantly it is very rare requires specialized piercing placement and is not a name known by most piercers the invention, or at least its popularity, is generally credited to Patrick Bartholomew, who is a very famous BME guy, and I saw a picture of him with a naked and very attractive slave and was like, damn, good for you, Patrick. So, it's pretty brutal. I mean, I guess it's not if you're used to it, but the idea of having this in the tip of my dick certainly makes it shrivel just a little bit. And when are you going to get it? I gotta talk to Alexa. No, you don't. That's isn't your guys' anniversary soon? That'll be your gift to her. <laughs> There's also the Prince's Wand, which is like a metal sound that has a ring at the one end and then a ring below that perpendicular to it. It kind of looks it's almost like a gun shape. And it in, in its simplest form is a urethral sound held in place by a PA piercing, although any urethral piercing, ampelang PA, or apodravia can hold them. Its purpose is urethral stimulation. Most people wear them only for play, but some people wear them all the time. I would love to know what you're going to post on Instagram for your section of this episode. The uh, Only PG pictures, because Instagram will otherwise stop us from... Uh, you know. It's just, I, every time we do one of these episodes, I'm like, how are we going to post about this on the internet? Yeah. Well, I mean, the lolly thing was easy because, you know, there's lolly all over at the gram. 
if you follow That's the people true. I follow. <laughs> but <laughs> so I want to mention a transurethral piercing, which there are several different types of. A transurethral piercing is one where the piercing intersects the urethra. The most obvious benefit is that the urine helps clean the piercing. In addition, depending on the jewelry placement, the piercing may provide erotic stimulation of the urethra. Male transurethral piercings include, but are not limited to, Prince Albert piercing and reverse PA piercing, dolphin and deep PA piercings, apodereva and ampelang piercings. Which So we've already been talking about this. I should have mentioned or defined it quicker, but hold on one sec. Fuck. You should have sent me pictures of all these. Nah, dog, nah. So the one that really kind of fucked me up was there's a... Fuck. There's a piercing called the dolphin. A dolphin is a piercing where a Prince Albert piercing is attached to another deeper Prince Albert. Named by John Cobb, this piercing is most commonly done using a curved barbell, giving the appearance of jewelry diving through the surface of the skin, hence the name. People who have had this piercing performed report that it provides deep urethral stimulation during intercourse, and that those who really don't enjoy sounding or other types of play wherein the urethra is stimulated deep within the shaft may find this piercing to be too much. So, it's, uh, there's a version called the killer whale, which is a local term in Perth, Western Australia, for an extremely deep dolphin piercing, 50 millimeters or more, first coined by Adzi Shotgun of Steel Candy Body Piercing, now defunct. So, it's like, fuck, dude, like, I, I just look at it, and I'm sure... If you're into it, it's fine, but it just looks like a lot of metal to have, like, crisscrossing your dick, and the one picture, it's, like, all bloody. It's fucking brutal. I I have to say, it's brutal to me to look at, because I just think of my dick, like, without consent being bloodied, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> or I think of that video where the girl stabs that dude's dick with her high heels, and she punctures oh, God, it, no. and the blood comes out so fast, and he deflates like a fucking balloon. Like a water balloon, yeah. E fucked. You've ruined us. Oh god. So you, we could be learning like actual things on the internet, but instead we watch videos of a girl stepping on a penis with a high heel and deflating it. It's one of those where you hear about it and you're like, I, I have to see it. I don't want to see it, but I, I'm gonna go and see it now. I just saw it. I'm dying. Inside, I'm dying. Now every time my wife looks for high heels, she's reminded of my indiscretion on Google. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you use the family computer to look at that, Brad? You know we have a family. You know little Amelia, she could have seen that. I have a curious mind. I just wanted to know what was on E-Fucked. I seek knowledge. Yeah. The the dark knowledge. Truly, I feel like a, a, a monk of the the Wu-Tang, except for instead of knowing about the Kung Fu, it's just about the broken penises. Instead of knowing about the Kung Fu, you know about the ew, ew. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, really on dad jokes since I have a mustache now, so... Sure, I get that. I understand that. I mean, you're also a father, so... Yeah, but, you know, the mustache gives me power. True. So... In order to support ourselves in these trying times, we wanted to announce that we will be starting an OnlyFans page, and we'll have a link on our Instagram soon, and it will have content that is not appropriate for Instagram, 
and probably isn't appropriate for OnlyFans. So <laughs> you will be able to find the information. We expect it to be OnlyFans slash Motel Podcast. I can't imagine somebody else has started that. I sure hope they haven't. And Watch, someone's someone's gonna beat us too and be like, "Give me two hundred dollars." I'll be like, "I'll give you two dollars. I have two dollars." I'll be like, "Well, if you give me four, you can see my OnlyFans picture." I'll be like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. drive a hard but fair bargain. Yeah, I think it's mostly no. You know what? I don't want to spoil it for our fans, but unlike certain other cosplay models who claim they'll never go nude on it, I will go full nude and four fingers deep. So. Just yes, get ready. We, we will post a uh, contest that will only be titled How Many Skittles Can Dick Fetty Fit in His Foreskin? And if you guess correctly, you'll win something. We'll have the video to prove the amount of Skittles. And we'll do a an extra OnlyFans where it's going to be Sour Skittles. <laughs> no, that one's only for Patreon. True. But I think that pretty much covers sounding. I didn't really know what more. I don't. I don't know what more to say. My fiance yeah. won't let me talk to her about what I've learned, and I don't know that I've gotten a weight off my chest. But maybe I've just sounded deeper into my heart. So <laughs> that's that sounding. I mean, again, totally cool. And honestly, I'm kind of interested because I think if I lubed up a metal rod and kind of got it going, after the initial, like, putting something in my penis, I feel like I kind of think I could get into it. Not so much the piercings and the Prince Alberts and the dolphins, but I think I could I, I could learn to like a rod in the penis. I will say. Uh, it's been a journey of I'm self-discovery. Sure you could. Yeah. I'm sure you could. And then, you know, the, we'd have to do holiday editions of our OnlyFans after you were super into it, where we put a candy cane up there. You know? How, how many strokes does it get to take? How many strokes does it take to get to the center of a candy cane? We will find out. So, uh, Dick Fetty, are, are you ready for my sexual fetish? Not my personal sexual fetish. Yeah, so you claim. The guy who just spent four days dick deep in it, but go ahead. Yeah, it's like, it's, it turned out to be a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. Um, but anyway, so. I don't even know what it is. I don't, I don't understand what it, like, I know the name of it, but I don't know what it is. So, okay, well, we'll get into it and all the subcategories about it. Okay. And uh, then I got a little treat for the listeners at the end. So. Thank you. I covered vorophilia, or vor, which is more commonly known as in the fetish circles. It is a fetish that is only practiced through role-playing, uh, mainly because it cannot actually be practiced and... I know you, after I explained to you what it is, you might think, like, well, you could do that, but it'd just be illegal, but you'd be wrong. So anyway, it is a fetish involving the devouring of a person, or a person, or being the person devoured, or watching someone be devoured. Now, they are usually full 
and usually alive, which is referred to as softbore. And then there are versions that have gore or killing or cooking prior to the act, known as hardbore or shortened to just gore. So now, is that the will, is that the German penis eating? So, well, okay, so I'll, I will get to that. Okay, I'm not going to cover it in detail because I think I want to. I think it'd be fun to cover that in like a whole episode. Okay, so. A lot of people who read about war are probably going to connect it to sexual cannibalism, which it is not, because normally it's a living victim that is swallowed, and it's not parts of the person that are devoured, it's the whole person. So obviously no human being can entirely eat another human being in one mouthful. Sure. And... Sexual cannibalism is more about, you know, maybe eating certain body parts. It's more focused on flesh than it would be like bones or organs and stuff like that. And maybe on another fetish episode, I'll go into sexual cannibalism. But I I thought this was a bit more interesting. The lines do kind of blur sometimes, but it's very much depicted with either humans or anthropomorphized animals big surprise uh normal animals like snakes or dragons or any kind of fantasy creature that can be bigger than you and eat you whole okay and one of the fun things about a lot of the artwork is after the consumption it is usually shown that whoever is the consumer or the predator so it's like kind of broken down to the predator and the prey uh-huh. a lot on you know like message boards and deviant art pages and stuff of that ilk where you can find you know slash fig and things like that it's depicted that with like this huge pregnant belly and a lot of the times there's like hands pressing as if the prey item is trying to get out or you know there's like movement lines and like creaking sounds and stuff Uh, i spent a lot of time unfortunately on deviant art and one of my favorite things about this art style is that people will just take pictures of attractive pregnant women and just add text like uh oh i was so hungry and she tasted so good here wait let me let me read one so so that's it's very similar. They there's a lot of cuckold stuff like that, and a lot of incest stuff like that, where it's pictures of couples either in explicit sexual situations or afterwards, or just like regular pictures of people who probably don't even know each other just next to each other, and then they have uh, these like black white text things about it. Yeah, ex- exactly. So there's one I'm looking at currently. Uh, with a pregnant woman who is very attractive it says "Mm, she's almost digested now babe so i'd love it if you grab me some more food from the buffet this vacation was such an amazing idea by the way best time of my life and i get to spend it all with you he he and there's like herb and belch around her and then around her stomach it says growl slosh and groan it's it's great it's it's great but back to the technical stuff. So, like I said, it's actually impossible to commit a 
more act unless I guess as much as this is gonna sound unless you kill like either a little person or a child and then feed them to a large snake I guess you could do that I know um, there are there, there's things I've read where they talk about watching you know videos of snake snakes and like frogs and other things that will eat their prey whole watching that and masturbating to it and stuff but a lot of the motivations behind it vary a huge amount so um endo so i'm, I'm going to struggle through this endosomatophilia which is the attraction to fantasies involving being completely encapsulated by or of a living thing within the body of something else. So Jonah, Jonah and the a, Jonah and the Great Whale kind of a thing. Yes, which I will actually get to. But yeah, so like just being completely inside another living thing, whether you want to be the thing that's inside or you want to be the one consuming. Sure. Uh, and it really comes seems to come down to like a dominant submission play uh, those seem to be like the two main driving forces you know allowing oneself to be devoured represents like the ultimate act of submission and the ultimate act of dominance on whoever's doing the devour okay so there is a doctor named dr friedman fatlin uh, he wrote in the archives of sexual behavior the many phrases that exist in the english language to relate sex slash love and consumption including referring to someone as looking good enough to eat that the way a man to a man's heart is through his stomach and describing a sexually appealing person as sweet or juicy or appetizing or tasty looking like a snack there's a lot, yeah there's there's a lot of terminology that is related to sexuality and food you know yeah so those things seem to be tied together very well and of course that could also go into sexual cannibalism as well but even with like christian religious rituals you know there's the body of christ which are the little pieces of bread or wafers and then the blood of christ you know, the merging of the divine and the mortal, you know? Right. So, it, there's also some cases where vor is described as a variation of macrophilia. Do you know what that is? I do not. So, being attracted to giant whatever. So, you know, giant animals, giant woman, giant man, what have you. And a lot of uh, vor fantasies have to do with macrophilia, so like a giant woman or a giant man eating you. And they tend to have themes of like CDSM, microphilia, which is the opposite of macrophilia, pregnancy fetishism, and furry fetishism, and unbirthing, which is being swallowed whole into the vagina and being returned to the uterus. Yeah, I do that on Tuesdays. Exactly. Well, I know. I I see it all the time. That's the only reason I subscribe to you on Twitch. <laughs> and 
if you actually look up Vor, it doesn't quite go into sexual cannibalism most of the time. And you really have to look, you have to go to, you know, things like uh, Edo Goro-chan and things of that ilk to find the more hardcore war stuff. But most of it is pretty, I don't want to say timid, but like, a lot more soft. Uh-huh. You have to actually go look for the more violent stuff. And it's not, it's not something where you find sexual cannibalism involved in it very often. I thought, I thought this was just sexual cannibalism when I started, so I thought it was like super interesting that it's this very specific niche thing. It's like how the difference between furries is just like a thing versus specifically furry porn and it's like all that stuff where we hear about the most sensationalized version of it and then you're like, oh no, this is a deep sub well i don't know that voice necessarily a subculture but like there's a big interest here but most of it's not of like the worst version of it exactly so let me let me explain the types to you a little bit more specific you ready for this is your penis ready yeah so like i said there's soft war where the prey is consumed whole although they're not always willing and are usually unharmed before reaching the stomach where either digestion, asphyxiation, or transformation, or just captivity uh, end up being there in the stomach. Soft war is pretty much regarded as sensual and sexual. Uh, it's sexually oriented, orient, it's sexually oriented due to its nonviolent nature. A lot of war files tend to get pleasure from watching animals like snakes eat other animals, like I had mentioned before. And, you know, I, I, I didn't realize how much this thing was, like, deep-seated in everything. Like, there's a Native American folk tale about this coyote who enters the stomach of a giant to rescue a number of people from being eaten alive. You mentioned the the biblical story of Jonah who got swallowed by the whale mm -hmm. uh, and there's also there's an episode of Naruto called Eat or Be Eaten which involves essentially boar and then of course there is Attack on Titan which I'm sure when it came out for the boar community was like the second coming of Christ <laughs> well and also uh, there's even an episode of uh, Adventure Time, at least one, where they're inside somebody. Like, all those people are inside the giant and, like, partying and... and Remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Oh, shit, I can't remember the episode, though. It's, it's like, season two or three. It's pretty early on. Yeah. Well, I mean, even things like Tom and Jerry, right? Like, how often does uh, Jerry get in Tom's mouth just to get out, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of lore art where it's just whatever it is being held in a mouth. Yeah. Uh, one of my other favorites is porn pictures or lewd photos where they just crudely enlarge the stomach or they add, like, tiny people to it. I love it. Okay. Super fun. So then there's hard vor or hardcore vor or gore what have you. 
which usually the prey is injured in some way, being ripped and chewed, uh, cutting, biting, tearing. Of course, there's normally blood, and there's no normal sexual characteristic to it, so I guess that would probably lead closer to like a more extreme type of fetish like you know there's people who like feet pics and then there's people who like pictures of severed feet i'm not saying that you know these people are jerking off to pictures of you know dismembered bodies but i guess sometimes they are yeah well i mean it's it's funny because a lot of it just sounds like going into aroguro territory which we had discussed so so many summers ago and you know i think has a lot of crossover especially when you're talking about that kind of nexus of furry art has that sort of it goes back to underground u.s comics but it also is influenced by japanese like anime manga stuff and i mean also you know disney stuff and space jam i mean it makes sense that our generation at least to me has this very prominent furry culture because yeah. of the things we grew up with. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, there's there's a long history of anthropomorphized people in cartoons just generally that goes back, you know, even to the 40s, 50s, and 60s and that kind of, or even older. But I think it, it has happened concurrently in the United States and in Japan and in Europe too. But I remember as a kid being on art forums that were before DeviantArt existed and sharing my art on some of these places where it was just, if you clicked onto the 18 or over version of the forum, you're like, oh, that's a that's like an elf girl who's like part beast, but also is getting fucked viciously. And it's always in that almost airbrush style tablet painting quality, although this was back when everything was cruder and whatever. But it's... It's just interesting, and I used to be I used to be on a lot of subreddits that were all just a different types of monster girls. So like there were specifically slime monster girls, and I guess a lot of it was probably Vor in part because, you know, all it takes is fighting the, doing the Quaylag boss a couple times in Dark Souls to be like, do I want to fuck spiders now? But <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, there are there is a lot of war art that involves monsters, especially slime monsters, because they'll you know they encapsulate you, they take right. you into them. God, do you need me to jerk off during this episode? Because it seems like you want me to be describing all this airbrush artwork. Yeah. So I mentioned macro vor, which is something very large consuming something very small, uh, and then microvore, which is not usually a giant, but whatever the prey item is being shrunk down. Mm-hmm. And then there is Tiny Boar, which I think is both adorable and hilarious, which is a tiny predator consuming a much larger prey item. Okay. Which just sounds adorable. So there are also like kind of subsections i'm gonna finish off this with my favorite one but i'm gonna you know give you an idea of the more specific ones there's anal war where the person is or character or what have you is consumed by you guessed it 
the anus. Yeah. And they're usually, you know, taken up through the butthole. Maybe they're held in the rectum. Usually they're digested normally. Uh, this is an interesting one. Breast bore, which is the predator taking in the prey item through the nipples. Huh. Yeah. And sometimes they're turned into breast milk. Huh. So, navel bore, pretty self-explanatory. You go in through the belly button. <laughs> now, this one I actually got from a... I think it was called, God, what was it? It was like a Wikipedia specifically for furry terminology. Uh-huh. It was incredible. I spent way too much time on there not doing actual research. Sure. Uh, pouch bore, which involves marsupials, which is hilarious. Hmm. Uh, there's absorption, which, like we just mentioned, some kind of slime monster, what have you. Uh, tail or tentacle just, you know, sucking them in. Solvor, which is the consumption of the spirit of something or the soul. And my favorite one, which I'm going to explain in great detail, which is Cockvor, which pairs very closely with your subject tonight, Dick Betty. Of course it does. <laughs> so, cockvore, uh, the prey is consumed by the penis, and they're pulled through the urethra, usually into the predator's scrotum, which they are absorbed, digested, or turned into semen, mm. sometimes known as cumvore, and then ejaculated. Big if true. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they go into the bladder or the prostate. It depends on the artist or what they're drawing. But I just love the idea of, like, like being, like, right yeah. in the penis. just my dick's then, like a like, vacuum. <laughs> and then I turn you into jizz. The old in and out. The ye old in and out. So, there are, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Two more gentlemen, uh, Lycan and Cantor, who uh, are also doctors, I believe. I couldn't find their first names in the article I read, but they presented two cases of Vore in uh, Catherine Gates' book, Deviant Desires, which I actually really want to get a hold of because it sounds super interesting. So one of the cases was a man that allegedly fantasized that the witch in Hansel and Gretel fairy tale both cooked and ate him. And then the other is the case known as the Turkey Man. So the Turkey Man was a traveling businessman who regularly hired a dominatrix to meet him in his hotel room and cook him. He designed a facsimile of an oven from a cardboard box, including rudimentary knobs and a door that could be opened and closed. He would lie down in this box on his back, wearing only socks, while the dominatrix would describe in great detail the process of his body being cooked and eaten by her. The turkey man could become so aroused by this fantasy that he was able to orgasm without any physical stimulation of his penis. Which I think is incredible. Yeah, there was and, a... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Uh, no, I've heard, I, I don't even remember where, but I've heard a lot of talk about people who are able to reach ejaculation without physical touch. Typically, it's through, it's through means like that rather than watching porn. And it's either through storytelling, story reading, or just like sitting in your bedroom and thinking hard. And it seems to me like making hard work out of something that I can just do with one hand. But, uh, you know, I I believe that that's possible. Yeah, I just I think it'd be super cool. I feel like I'd have psychic powers if I can melt with just my mind. It'd be like the worst superpower ever, but also, <gasps> yeah, just like, hey, Ben, how you doing today? Hold, wait, hold on. And I'm better now. What's up? So, like in St. Tantor, also noted the difference between vorophilia and cannibalism. And I want to bring this up because they are professional. So, in most cases of vorophilia, the victim is swallowed whole. In fact, several requests for fantasies included a specific ban on the chewing of the victim. This is an important aspect that separates persons interested in vore versus those interested in sexual cannibalism. In vore, the victim is swallowed whole while still alive. Though consumption most often occurs through the mouth, it also occurs through the vagina, the anus, the breast, uh, in parentheses, through the nipples of the consumer. I just... For whatever reason, when I was writing this out, I just really wanted to hammer home that this is not about actual cannibalism. On that note, I'm going to touch on Armin Muse. So, we're not going to do a full deep dive into Armin Muse tonight, mainly because I'd like to cover it in much more greater detail. But he is a German native. And he, in 2001, he consumed a voluntary victim. So he attempted to eat the guy's penis, and he, the guy ended up bleeding out. He consumed, continued to eat his flesh, and then was arrested in 2002, and then in 2004 was convicted of manslaughter. So, this tends to come up a lot when you look for, like, actual war cases and stuff like that. Which, you know, can kind of blur the lines, because I'm sure he meant to eat this man completely, but it's, it's just not war. It's just, it's not the same thing. It doesn't have a lot of the same beats as a lot of the artwork and the stories that you'd find online. So, Dick Fetty, are you ready for our Vore Corner? Oh, so that's it? That's all we're going to say on him? Yeah, like I said, we're going to go yeah, yeah, yeah. deep into No, that. I know, because I, I know a lot of, about it. I don't know why, but I just do. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy to address that more. I agree. I don't think it, based on what you've said... And what that case, what happened in that case, I think they're two different things. I think it's sort of textbook sexual cannibalism rather than the other way around. And it's, yeah. So, yeah, hit me with the Vorcore. So, Dick Fetty, do you like Vor, but also 
are very much in interested in Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. No, I was hoping this was going to go somewhere different, but go on. <laughs> so, <laughs> for our listeners who don't know, Coffee. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is a video game that's not technically part of the mainline Pokemon series. You don't play a Pokemon trainer. You actually play as Pokemon in this in this in these communities that are entirely comprised of Pokemon. There are no human characters. The Pokemon talk to each other, they go on adventures, so on and so forth. So, the name of this story, written by White Wyvern Realms, w is called w Wyvern? a shockingly... Wyvern. Yeah, Wyvern. Yeah, what did I say? I don't know, I thought you said something different, so never mind. I'm sorry, <laughs> just go. Just ignore me. The name of the tale is a shockingly gooey situation. Mm-hmm. Dash, lore story, dash. And there is a disclaimer. Hey everyone, this is going to be a Pokemon lore story. A quick disclaimer. If you don't like lore at all, don't read this story. For those interested, I do hope you are interested in reading this. It was an average day as a Gudro was wandering around in the Pokemon village. Morocco village. At the depths of the village was an explorer's guild. The building was shaped like Nita King's head. The Gudra gave a big smile as she walked up to the building. This is going to be long, so strap in, guys. A survivor slivers up to the Gudra and looks over her. The survivor gave the Gudragon a nod. He says with a stern tone, Careful about your slime, Miss Clara. The guildmaster got new flooring after the flood on the last floor. I'm sorry, it's not Clara, it's Solera. Solera smiled sweetly as she responded, It's a good thing I'm going to be quick here. I'm only here to use the map. The Sir Viper rolled his eyes as he let her in. The place was busy with other adventurers and townsfolk. The Eevee triplets were the first three to greet Solera. All three gave her a big hug and speak in unison, Hey there, Solera. How do you do, Solera? Welcome back, big sis, Lara. The Gudra giggles at the three. Hey, you three, you don't need to speak at the same time, suggested Solera with a cute chuckle. All three Eevees laugh as well. The middle Eevee spoke up by saying, Are you back for good, Sela? We have heard you're coming back to the guild. The other two Eevees both smacked the middle Eevee in the back of the head. The left Eevee spoke in an inaudible whisper. The middle Eevee lowers her eyes as she mumbled, Okay, I was the only one thinking that, Sela. I just love cooking with you. Solera smiled softly at the trio and said to them, I'm here to view the map and maybe take a mystery job. So if you don't know, you go in dungeons, you like... It's essentially a dungeon-crawling game with Pokemon. I've never played them, but that's from what I understand. The three Eevees nod and split up immediately. Solera blinks for a moment and chuckles softly as she continued her way. When she went two floors below, Solera sees a Charizard and a Snorlax looking over the map. The Snorlax says to Charizard, We have to go to an area with lots of food. Maybe where that rumored gluttonous Pokemon is? The Charizard looks a bit concerned as he gave the Snorlax belly a poke. He countered by saying, I might have to say that you are over-motivated by the thoughts of food. 
and that you would get eaten by a different Pokemon. The Charizard rubs his gut softly as he started, stared at Snorlax. Solera listens in carefully as she was curious. She clears her throat and says, Hey boys, I'm just going to need to look at that map real quick. The Charizard and Snorlax both turn to see Gudra. I love that he switches back between the actual name of the Gudra and then back to the fact that it is a Gudra, just in case you forgot. Yeah. They both grin and give her a hug. The hug caused some of the slime to get on the two. Solera giggled as she hugs them back. She then turned around to look for a location she hasn't been in a while. She soon knows that there was a stream leading to a lake. Find a place to explore yet, Solera? Questioned the Snorlax as he tries to get the goo off his belly. <laughs> been there, am I right, guys? Mirror's stream seems like a good place for me to go, commented Solera as she sees that there is an escort mission. Charizard nods as he looks over her shoulder. Solera had made her way to the beginning of the stream to see Pikachu and Quilava discussing about the shortage months ago. And it was a Lickitung who found the hoarder. Apparently, the Garbodoir did it, Quilava, mentioned the Pikachu with a bit of excitement. Quilava smiles weakly as he shrugs. He said to the chubby Pikachu, well, you can try to find the Lickitung, you know. Of course, you would have to avoid the drool. The two heard Solero's footsteps approach them. The both of them said at the same time, Wow, a Gudra. The Pikachu runs up to her gut and places his head on it. This action made Solera blush shyly as some slime covers the electric mouse Pokemon. Quilava swallows nervously as he goes up to Pikachu to try to get him off Solera. Quilava mumbles an apology to Solera as he managed to get the Pikachu off. She smiles as she said reassuringly, It's okay. I'm just here to help if you two are the ones who wrote the guild and escort. The Pikachu nods encouragingly as Quilava pulls out a picture of an Alolan Raichu. Man, this is getting deep. This Raichu got lost while taking a nap, and he does have a habit of sleep eating, explains the Pikachu as he giggles slightly. Quilava gives out a sigh as he looks down. Solera couldn't help but laugh wholeheartedly at the two. She said with full confidence, I'll gladly help you both out. I don't mind. The three of them made their way down a mirror stream in a fair pace. The Quilava shudders as he watches as the stream... Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't being an idiot. This doesn't make sense. The Quilava shudders as he watches as the stream going a bit fast. Okay. Say, why is the stream called Mirror, Miss Solera? The Pikachu piped up as they followed behind Gudra. Solera smiles as she looks over her shoulder. She responds, it was called that because there were two rivers that were mirror images of each other up until the river on the opposite side of the forest was blocked up to make a water filtration system. Now the opposite stream is a bit wider. The Pikachu grins as he listens. That sounds interesting, mumbles the Quilava as he quickens his pace. Soon the trio make their way to a clearing to see an Alolan Raichu battling a Furligator. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. He launched a Hydro Pump at the Raichu's left side. The Raichu moved to her right and counters the Furligator's Ice Punch with a wild charge. A crack of thunder and ice shot outwards like a shockwave. 
Solera got in the way to protect both Pikachu and Quilava from the shockwave. Frilligator held his arm as electricity surged up it. He cringed as he swung his arm, and the electric surge stopped. He grins as he said, Man, you're tough. Don't get cocky about that type advantage. The Pikachu looks up at Solera as he looks a bit nervous. He said, What should I do? I don't know why she is fighting the Furligator. The Quilava gives them a curious look. Solera can interrupt the fight by getting in between the two, suggested Quilava, hopefully. The Pikachu lowers his ears as he looks at the two Pokemon battling. Don't worry, we're almost done. Solera was already running up to get in the way before the Pikachu would get a word in. The Furligator had taken a burst of speed as he used Aerial Ace as the Raichu prepped to use a Charge Beam. The Aerial Ace hit Solera in the back, sending the Gujar flying towards Raichu. She didn't have time to react to as Solera goes into her... Oh, let me start over. She didn't have time to react as Solera goes into her maw. The Raichu fell on her rear as she had to swallow instinctively. The Furligator shook its head and watches with interest as Solera disappears. After a few swallows, the Raichu manages to eat the whole Gudra. Her belly looks like she had eaten like a munchlax at a buffet. Gudra slime is all over her belly and muzzle as she sat there in a daze. Pikachu and Quilava both go to Raichu and help her up. She looks at her bloated belly with wonder and couldn't help but poke it. Frilligator carefully approaches the four. He spoke with a bit of wonder. That Gujra got in the way, and you ate her. After Pikachu and Quilava explains that they thought the Raichu was lost or something, so they made a request to the guild. I'm sorry, this... There is some grammatical errors in here, so I'm having a bit of a hard time reading some of it. Solera nods as she felt Raichu feel her belly curiously. Well, I must say, that was very unexpected. I kind of have to get used to this feeling, Miss Solera. I kind of have to get used to this feeling, Miss Solera. Raichu admitted as the Quilava rubs her belly. Pikachu and Furligator gave each other curious glances. Quilava blushes as he gave a shy grin. I just like Raichu, and I wonder if she would be able to eat Miss Solera. Ooh, what a twist, said the Quilava as he hit his face. The Raichu smiles as she pulls the Quilava in for a hug. After letting out Solera, the group of five return to the guild. Quilava looks down as he apologizes to everyone. The Raichu giggles as she lean, leans over and kisses Quilava on the nose. Furligator smirks as he points to Solera. I actually want to fight you, Solera. Hope you don't mind if I win. I'll eat you myself, declared Furligator. Pikachu and Raichu both chuckle as Solera agreed. End of story. So did you like the twist where it turned out that the Pikachu and the Quilava essentially tricked the Gudra into getting eaten? Uh, kind of. I mean, it was a little hard to follow because of the way that it was written, but yes. Are you, are you super horny? Sadly, no. I was trying to get it there, but 
you know what's funny about that is, I, so, and I did read it prior, um, but, like, that was the one that was marked as uh, age-restricted on DeviantArt. Uh-huh. Which I just thought was interesting, because it really wasn't that graphic, but it was just funny how much, not funny, but I guess, I guess funny's not the word, because I really don't want to make fun of this person, but how careful they were describing, you know, the different Pokemon yeah. and the different movesets, all leading to a Gudra getting eaten. So I guess we'll post a picture of a Gudra, and then we'll also post some... Um, Sexy art. Gudra pictures? Yeah, man. I mean, they're out there. There's Pokemon get sexualized especially there's like Gardevoir uh, is a very human shaped Pokemon and uh, people draw uh, naughty fan art of that Pokemon all the time and there's also a bunny one his name I can't remember off the top of my head yeah it's fuck bunny uh, yeah fuck bunny well yeah so, I will certainly dig into the old subreddits I used to be subscribed to with slime princesses and whatnot. To give people at least some idea, you'll, I'm sure, hit me up with some good artwork, and we'll try to credit people where possible, and, you know, allow 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 our listeners to explore what might make them horny. Yeah, and I don't know what we can get, cannot get away with uh, on Instagram, but a very common thing is that the throat or innards definitely tend to take on a very vaginal look sure in a lot of the artwork so it's very interesting and maybe i'll jerk off to it later who knows yeah only god can tell but that's all i got for vor well i'm hungry and i'm horny ish and i'm ready to stick something into the tip of my penis so i think we've done our job and I just yeah, want to really, really, what I think we should do is print out some deviant art of uh, vor art, roll it up, and then jam it in your urethra. Mm, love that. Well, thanks for being with us, guys. We hope that you aren't dead or your loved ones haven't died yet from COVID, and we will continue to bring you the content you hate. So. Later, nerds. Later.